Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So, so I am absolutely over the moon to have Sonny Webster on the podcast. So anyone who doesn't know who Sonny is, Sonny is at Sonny Webster GB on Instagram. He's represented GB in the Rio Olympics in 2016. Entrepreneur, uh, owner of many businesses and creator of Sonny Webster Academy, which helps people develop and create good habits when lifting, smashing PBs. And the, I know someone who was on the podca- podcast recently, which is using it. I says the exercise library is incredible and also is thank the you for having me brother great to be podcast. here mate 102 Sonny, thank you so episodes much for by the way on. that's a lot of bloody podcasts fair play <laughs> yeah the 100th one went out like literally monday so yeah it's uh it's i've been so so lucky during lockdown and stuff like that with who i've had on um and it's just kind of blown up just since lockdown so it's uh it's good I'm really happy with it i think for yourself Sonny, I know one of the things that you talk about an awful lot is kind of protecting kind of the younger generation with from all the crappy info that's out there from anything, really. And you do an awful lot of charity work, charity work particularly the, the charity based over in South Africa. Well, so, we're referring to... Do you think enough is being done to protect view, the younger generation? Like growing up, I think from a, from a training point of view now, social media, and I was listening to a podcast, actually, was a snippet from London Real with Dan Bilzerian. And he was saying like about the impacts on social media, I think for an older generation than me, because I've always grown up with it, of how much it's changed the way that we interact as human beings, um, the way that we communicate, the way that we're influenced by what we see. Um, I think, you know, the social media is the biggest giver of information to us now. So, you know, there is always um, a lot of shit out there. Um, that we can't always hide ourselves from and a lot of stuff that we've got to sift through. So I'd say not necessarily um, that, that enough's been being done to protect younger generations from from misinformation. But I think at the same time, there's still a lot of great figureheads out there um, in the given industries that are doing the sifting for us. And I think with a lot of information, you know, even... For me, as an educator now, I'm still constantly learning. There's still lots of stuff that I take in daily. And I think there's there's never one right way of doing everything. So I think when someone goes, oh, there's a lot of shit information out of there, I think sometimes that opinion's drawn just because it's different to what's been done before or not the way that you believe something that should be done. And there has to be a line drawn between those two things because just because it's different doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong or shit because it could still be having a great result and a great effect on someone. So I'd always say when, you know, everyone will have individuals that they look up to and are inspired by um, and enjoy getting information from. Um, But don't be too, I guess, don't always turn a blind eye to to other people's information because it could work equally as well for you. It's just different to what you know. And that's part of the fun. That's part of the fun is the learning, the making mistakes and the development side of things. So, yeah, I wouldn't be scared of it. But you, you like you spoke about like all fair about kind of the, the kind of you're finding more balance in your own training and you're smashing your own training. Um, but how do you kind of filter out other people's opinions. Yeah, I mean, draw your own growing up as an that? athlete, I was fortunate enough to surround myself with. Um, a lot of great people, a lot of great athletes, a lot of great coaches. And I think what what makes you a good coach or a good educator is being able to understand everyone's opinions and everyone's direction, whether it be 
in coaching, whether it be in life, taking snippets or what you feel is the best bits about that individual's approach, compiling it and then making your own. So therefore you don't necessarily copy someone's approach. You just take the best bits of it that you like, add them to what you've already got or with someone else's information and start compiling what you feel is the best looking picture in the way that you educate and pass on, um, pass on knowledge, you know? And like I said, 15 years into my life as an athlete, six, seven years into my life as a, a businessman, I'm still constantly learning, making mistakes and taking on new information and changing my thought process um, on things. And I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, um, I think the older you get, the scarier it is to either admit that how you was doing something was wrong or to change your opinion on something. Yeah, I think definitely as like I'm older than you, Sonny. So I've I've had a few more years on the old on that side of things. But it is it, it definitely change your perspective as you get a little bit older. And is there any kind of one kind of mistake, kind of the business side of things that you kind of look back on and said, right, I should have done this differently. Or is there anything that you would tweak potentially down the line? Or one um, major, we could major do thing a podcast purely on Sonny's mistake business if you want to. <laughs> um, there's there's always little things I'd say. Um, the first thing that comes to mind with me with now having multiple businesses is um, time management. I would have probably taken on staff sooner than what I did. Um, I think, I, like I said, I'm so fortunate to be surrounded by so many good businessmen uh, that are older, more experienced than me that have made my life 10 times easier. But I think accepting that um, no one else will ever do a job as well as you will um, I think was a big thing for me to get my head around. Um, I was employing people to do jobs and expecting them to do it better than me, but that's not necessarily always going to be the case. But the fact that someone's taking, giving you back time to do other things and doing the job that may never have got done um, is an extremely valuable lesson in business. And the other thing would be investment early on. Um, I think I would you know, I'm still a sucker for it now. Sometimes you try and get, and it's mad because for, for so, like I run my business delivering what I feel is the highest quality of education in Olympic weightlifting. And if you ask me for a PT session, I would charge you a very premium price because I believe I can give you a premium service. But yet for when it's in a field that's not my own, so for example, say graphic designers, graphic designers turn around me and go, yeah, that job's going to be 5,000 pounds. I'm like, what? Five grand? And they're like, yeah, five grand. And it's like getting your head around the fact that if you want a job done well, you do sometimes have to invest and put a little bit more money in than what you think things are going to cost. And that's just part and parcel. So I would have done that a little bit sooner as well because the time you waste dealing with um, substandard work um, is not worth it. And how did you kind of get over the whole potential? Like a lot of it is some of the stuff is ego when you're kind of looking at kind of hiring staff. I know from working in the real world, when I was hiring staff, it was afraid to let go of certain tasks that I wouldn't be done a particular way. I'm in, I'm in limbo now. Will I take someone on to do some of the coaching and hi, and it's at that stage, but how do you, how did you kind of let go of that side of things for yourself? In terms of allowing someone else to help me and do tasks to me. Yeah. I, I was physically just running myself into a hole and, and not achieving the things that, that I wanted to be able to do. Um, I had to, like you said, from an ego point of view, understand that there's certain jobs that I 
that are not in my specialties. What I'm very good at is lifting weights and entertaining people on Instagram. And as much energy as you can force into what you're best at, the better. You know, for me to sit down and write out invoices, although that's a part of everyone's business, that's not what I'm best at doing. <laughs> so I think it's just understanding what your own goals are, what you enjoy doing the most and what you're best at and trying to put as much of your time and energy into that side of things and then letting someone else do what you're not necessarily so good at. And I've been so fortunate to, you know, I met my assistant putting out an advert advert on Instagram. He started working for me two hours a week and now he's pretty much got a full-time job. So I think with whenever you, you employ someone, naturally they make more work for themselves um, rather than you necessarily always having to give them them tasks to do. They're kind of understanding your vision um, and where you want to go. And I think being prepared to grow with the business, I think it's very important for me in terms of um, hiring and having someone involved in the you mentioned there about stuff that you enjoy and you're doing incredible work with the, a charity over in South Africa, a kids charity over in South Africa. How did that yeah. come about? And can you kind of go into a little bit more detail? Yeah, sure. So um, the charity is called Lifting Lifting Dreams Sweater. So um, I was running a retreat out in Bali. Uh, it would have been about a year or so ago now, uh, back when we could travel and get on planes. <laughs> and... Um, I was doing the seminar and one of the guys there was called Hein and he came from South Africa and he was attending my retreat to develop his knowledge as an Olympic weightlifting coach because he was involved in strength conditioning, mainly in cycling. But like I said, he wanted to broaden his knowledge in Olympic weightlifting. And he, towards the end of the retreat, obviously I, what I loved about the retreats that I do is I get real personal time with the people. Um, and by the end of the retreat, you know, it's, learning more about people's family, where they're from, what they do day to day. And Hein shown me this club in South Africa that he was um, going to and helping out with a little bit. And I'll never forget the picture, right, that he showed me. And it was a picture of these kids training in literally just in the dust, like nothing, the shittiest bar, shittiest equipment, kids massive smiles on their face practicing weightlifting in the dust there must be about 15 of them and he was like yeah this is where they train and i was like what that's their gym and he goes yeah this is it and he goes yeah we're trying to um you know start like a charity or some fundraising for it and then he showed me this video that he had recorded on his phone of the guy who was the head coach and I'll never forget like the, it gave me goosebumps when I watched it the first time because I read like a lot of it resonated with me when I was younger. And the guy, was the head coach there, Kati, was basically telling a story about how he had a dream um, to send someone to the Olympic Games from Soweto. And anyone in their right mind that would have listened to that story, seen where they trained, would have just laughed at him and said, there's no way that would have physically possible. And... I could just see in like the the way that he spoke about it, the story that he told, how much it meant to him. And that kind of reminded of me as a kid when I had a dream of going to the Olympic Games, but I had no funding. I had, um, you know, very little good opportunity to be able to train full time and try and go to the Olympic Games. And, you know, for me, when I was younger, I was always told that you should try and leave the sport in a better place than, than where you found it and weightlifting is been incredible 
for me, it's given me, you know, the life I've got now, the travel I did as a young age, you know, I obviously achieved my lifetime goal, the Olympics. And I felt like this was the perfect opportunity for me to be able to, to give back and help someone else achieve their dream, to be honest. And, you know, I, I had that special person in my life, Jeff, who sponsored me and helped me achieve my dream. And he said, Sonny, there's nothing more valuable in the world than helping someone else achieve their dream. That's priceless. You can have all the money in the world, but you'll never be able to put a price on the feeling of helping someone else do that. And that was then when I started to think, right, Hein, I want to help you with this. Let's do it. I don't know what I can do, but we'll start some fundraisers. I'll take money from the academy, um, etc. And I began just starting to do big Fridays and sort of half day seminars and all the proceeds would go to the charity. And within a short period of time, we managed to get um, a little container gym set up, platforms, more equipment. Um, what's one of the biggest things in Soweto is schooling equipment, clothing. We made a kitchen for them um, so that every Saturday they can have them and their families can eat um food together on the saturday at the gym and it's kind of snowballed and got bigger and bigger and bigger where the goal is from next month we're doing a fundraiser to actually purchase a um community center we're going to buy a plot of land and build a community center so that it won't just be for weightlifting it'll be for um other sporting activities defense classes for women um drug rehabilitation um you know rape is rife there in Soweto so like I said with the defense classes and all of these other things as well that's going to help out the community through really just my passion for lifting weights and you know like I said it's nice it's a very small part like to me it costs me a very small amount but for what it gives me back and the opportunity that it gives to these kids is is massive and you know it's been it's been a, a a great journey and you know even with my my latest business um big friday wines the proceeds of that is to fund the charities so yeah it's kind of all feeding into each other and it's just nice to be able to do a little bit giving back you can see the excitement in your face when you're talking about it and how passionate you are so that it's incredible that you've decided to kind of give back to those less fortunate um and because i've been to kind of like the the kind of the shanty towns in uh in south africa they they're they are they're, they're eye-opening they're upsetting as well um so um, incredible work and you spoke about the new business how's that going the the new one mate like i just just pretend like i know what i'm doing it's <laughs> <laughs> so much in business it's just fucking it's just blagging bro like you know i'm i didn't know nothing about wine until i went to um they went down to adelaide this year um no sorry last year I went down to Adelaide met these wonderful people um when I was doing a seminar down there and they said look while you're down doing the seminar you can stay on our stay in our house um it's Craigo his wife Jane and their son uh, Scotty had us put us up in their house and they lived on a vineyard and we kind of got drunk one night and in passing sort of Scotty said how would you like doing your how would you like to have your own wine label and Scotty's big into his charity work as well. And he was like, yeah, well, we can produce your own wine. And I was just sort of like, okay, then go on, then I'll call it call it Bitch Diesel. That'll be my first wine. Then I'm going to make a rosé. 
And over the last six months, we've sort of been working on it. The wine's been picked, bottled. I'm just going through some design stuff for the wine label now. But yeah, it's just like a bit of a fun passion project for me. I don't have a clue about it, but I'm just getting excited about, you know, doing the wine, making something different. Like wine to me is really um, wanky and for an older generation. And, you know, with what I wanted to do with, with um, Big Friday Wines and Bitch Diesel is to make it a little bit funner, a little bit more accessible, a little bit more understandable for a younger generation. And, you know, it's just kind of putting my, my flair and my excitement on something else, you know. I'm always coming up with ideas and some of them work, some of them don't. And this is just, yeah, a little bit of fun on the side at yeah, the moment. I think as exactly what you said at the beginning was when you set, when you set up a business, you have to kind of wing it a little bit until you're going to get your foundation, throw enough stuff at the wall for something to stick. It is a kind of about that. And then once it sticks, let it grow and see what happens. Yeah, you, you you constantly feel, I think, in business, in life, in any industry, you do feel an ounce of imposter syndrome. And, you know, I think one of the, the biggest things is from that imposter syndrome is understanding that it's okay to not feel like you know 100% what you're doing. Half the people in the world out there don't either. Um, but I think my biggest bit of advice for anyone that is thinking about starting up a business or wants to leave their job and do something different. It's like I said, not being afraid to make mistakes, but more than anything, not being scared about what other people think or what other people will say about you behind your back or where they go, what the hell is he doing that for? He doesn't have a clue about that. Or, oh, that looks really shit because a lot of that fear like will never go away. I think when you start a business, I, I'm constantly wondering, you know, my biggest fear is the judgment of others on what I'm doing. Um, but at the end of the day, you're the one doing it and you're the one giving it a go. And as long as, like I said, you're not scared to fail and make mistakes, then you've got nothing to lose and good on you for, for giving it a yeah, go. I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that as well. Because I, I had a corporate job for a long time and it was shit scary going out on my own. And it was completely different to what this is. And then the biggest thing was the people that were kind of potentially doing the naysaying was would I swap places with those people? And that was one of those things yeah. that was kind of like more often than not, it wouldn't be. Maybe they have other things, but it wasn't the thing that I would want, if that makes any sense. It's exactly. And it's like, you know, I think when you're, if, if we lived in a world where everyone helped each other out and helped each other grow, it'd be a much much better place to live in but you know one of the i think the biggest fears about people helping other people out who are less successful more successful is it's going to take away from them and there's so many people out there in the world that are in industries that you know there's multiple one fast food chains out there and yet they're all still busy and still multi-million pound businesses even in small sports like weightlifting and crossfit there's enough people out there for everyone to be able to run businesses etc but because it seemed like a small world people are too scared to help each other out you know how many pts in where you live would prospect and help each other to grow a business no it's like well he's taken my client she's taken his client and no one's necessarily giving each other the help in hand out and like when everyone's working together everyone can play off each other's strengths um and like i said ultimately everyone wins that way 
Um, it's just understanding that there's no skin off. It's no skin off your nose to boost someone else up or to bring someone else up in whatever you do. Yeah, I think it takes more effort to be a prick as well and just kind of just be sound, really. <laughs> just be nice to others. Um, one of your favorite quotes is the biggest lessons you learn are when you lose. Um, and I thought that was an amazingly poignant message, particularly what's what's going on at the minute. I'm going to let you, let you expand on that a little bit more. With regards to what? In relation to anything that you've potentially lost, that you've lessons that you've learned from something that you've potentially lost or it's been taken away from you because a lot of people are potentially, you may not have lost maybe a job like some people are doing at the minute, but along something along the process in your life, something may have changed for you. Yeah, well, I mean, lesson from it. The, the whole yeah, I mean, the, the whole message behind that quote and why it's so poignant for me really is the fact that in the biggest adversities in my life, the darkest moments the through my band with my, with my weightlifting, the, they were when I learned the most about myself as a person, um, my ability to still come back from those negativities um, back from those losses has been really profound in making me who I am. And that's what I say when I say the biggest lessons you learn are when you lose. And I think like for a lot of a lot of people in in life, when things go well or things are going well, you don't step back and go, well, why is this going so well? We need to make sure we do this next month again so that we still do well. But what happens is when stuff goes shit, you go, why did that go shit? Why did I lose? Did I not do this well enough? And I think, you know, we need to apply the learning process or the learning from our negativities just as much to our good stuff as well. And I'm constantly trying to think about, you know, moments, I guess, that you can you can learn from. Yeah, I think that that's exactly it. Like you do learn about yourself from the lower times. You can kind of self-analyze. It's not comfortable. Don't get me wrong. But it is kind of like you do have to kind of look back and say, right, what can I tweak? What can I change? And it's like anything. It doesn't even have to be a business thing. It can be anything in your life, whether it's kind of like a relationship or it's or as you spoke about, kind of like what happened to yourself a few years ago. Um, one of the things you kind of talk about is kind of the advice that you potentially give yourself back. If you were to look back at, your, say, your 19-year-old self, what advice would you give back to yourself to kind of tweak things going forward? Do you know what? I would never change that. And there's a question that comes up a lot, like what would you go back and, and do differently? And I wouldn't purely for the for the reason that I said earlier and that those moments have been part of creating me and making me who I am. I think if I'd done th things differently to maybe uh, avoid things that went wrong in my life, then I may not be in the person I am today. So I wouldn't necessarily necessarily change anything and this is why I always say to people, like, when negative stuff happens or adversities happen, like, we let that be such an affecting moment on our lives instead of actually using that as a, as a moment to mold who we are. So I don't think it's about changing anything that, that I've done um, or going back and doing things differently. Um, I think, if anything, acknowledging, acknowledging the, the hard bits, I think, would be would be a good thing to do um, rather than wanting to feel like I would brush bad things underneath the carpet. 
I think owning owning those flaws and owning the the bad parts of my life um, and being thankful really for what they've enabled me to do now. I think that I think that's a that's an incredible answer. You, like you can't change anything that was in the past anyway. So it's yeah. mainly the person well, you are. Yeah, even talking about you know my band as this instance. If anyone wants more, info, I don't want to go massively into that today. But if anyone wants to find out more information about that, then they go and listen to the James Smith podcast that I've done and spoken about in depth. But really, the, that moment that before my ban, I was just come back from the Olympic Games. I was on cloud nine. I had what I felt was everything I wanted in my life. And I was just getting ready then to go on to the Commonwealth Games. And then all of a sudden, within the space of 30 seconds, my whole life was pulled from out from underneath my rug, um, like a rug, sorry, from, from underneath me. And I developed like, and we spoke about this the other week on, on the podcast, my whole identity at that point was weightlifting. Everyone knew me as Sonny, the weightlifter, Sonny went to the Olympic games. This is, this was me. That was all I was. And I'd always had that as my identity from the age of 11 years old. When I started weightlifting, I remember right from being 11, 12 years old in school. And I was known as the strong weightlifting kid. And I built my whole identity as a human around weightlifting. So when that all of a sudden disappeared, it's like someone just extracted my soul and had taken everything away from me that I previously knew. And I think a lot of people, and we will all do that to a degree in our lives, whether it be attaching ourselves in a relationship that becomes our identity or a job that becomes our identity. And the minute that goes away, it's like you've lost a lot more than what you really have lost. And I only liken it to like, say, you're an Instagram influencer and you've got 100,000 followers and then tomorrow Instagram disappears. How are you going to be in touch with those people now? You know, and people get, you can connect yourselves so much to a certain thing, whether it be a sport or a job or your social influence that you actually lose the things that actually make you a person and actually become your identity, your values, your friends, your pa things you're passionate about, the things that you spend time on. They're the things that really create your identity. And well, that's what I feel anyway. So for me, when weightlifting got taken away, my identity disappeared. It gave me the opportunity to actually find myself again and not in the cliche way finding myself but actually work out those things about myself that i'd suppressed for so long the things i was passionate about my personality outside of olympic weightlifting my you know i guess yeah that's it my personality the way i am as a human outside of what i was in sport and it gave me that opportunity to to do that and to then you know go on to pass on my, I guess, my morals, my passion to other areas of my life, you know, like I said, in business, in charity, still in the sport now, because I'll never lose that, because that will always be a part of me. But it actually, like I said, from a moment that felt like my whole life had disappeared, became this starting point to me becoming the person I am now. And I'd say I'm a much better person than I was five, six years ago. And I guess, like I said, just m growing on from that, that saying and my favorite 
saying, the biggest lesson you learn when you lose is that's a perfect example of how from the lowest part of your life, it can actually be the starting point to what will become the best part. And you all, you never lived your best day. There's always another better day out there. It's just how you think about it mentally I, that makes a difference. About it. I think what you've said there is, like, I, I didn't want to go into the, the, the details of what happened, obviously, because I just don't want that to be what the episode is about. I want it to be about yourself and your what you're trying to create and what, you've, what you're doing now. Um, so thank you for being so honest about it, first of all. Um, and thank you so much for talking about kind of the mental health. I know that's a massive sign. I know that's a massive part of what you want to talk about it as well, which is like you're a huge advocate of mental health. Um, it's like there's the there's the sentence. It's OK not to be OK. Do you think do yeah. you think there's kind of enough being done to protect people out there from mental health information and kind of support that's out there? And what would you try to change either from either the information compared to, say, mental health charities or anything like that in Australia compared to the UK? Or is there anything like that that could be changed? Yeah. Do you know what? To be honest, is something that I guess I've been involved in or started to speak more about without intentionally it being about mental health. You know, I think more than anything, there's just mental health lessons to be learned from my own experience, you know, and that's what like, you know, with, with Ferris, with James, with me and what we do with the Fair Points podcast, it's not necessarily us being advocates for mental health or educators on mental health, because we're not. All we're doing is passing on experiences, being vulnerable and talking openly about things that we all go through. And I think it's just great to, to have more, I guess, people with an influence or people with a following that, you know, people probably see me and think big, strong weightlifter, probably not very emotional, but I'm a very emotional guy and I'm very happy to discuss and talk about my feelings and, you know, having bad days and having good days. Because I think when you, even at the start of this podcast, when we spoke about like, information out there or misinformation out there a lot of the time it's just not real information or real feeling or real scenarios so you can go and follow your you know someone you like on instagram who every day is in a new beautiful location they don't look like they've got a worry in the world and everything's this sugar-coated la-la land and you're like why is it my life like that and you can start to ingrain that there's something wrong with what your life's like because you've seen a kind of a glamoured version of what actual life is like. And I think with me and what I try to do with my social media is try and be as authentic as possible and in a way that when I'm having a bad day, you will know about it, I will say. You will not see as much of me. I will not talk as much. And it's like you said, it's okay to not be okay. And like I think for people to see that or hear me discuss you know, dealing with feeling down one day makes you feel like, okay, well, it's not so bad what I'm feeling because Sonny's feeling it too. So this is normal. And I think that urge to want to feel like you're normal as well is good, <laughs> you know? And I'm so lucky that I've got friends. Ferris has just messaged me now because he knows I'm having a bit of a rough week. How you doing, brother? You're good. I'll just see it pop up on my laptop. 
I've got people around me that I can feel vulnerable in front of and speak comfortably to. And I think that's really important for us all to have. And it's part of the reason why, you know, we discussed in early episodes about having a therapist or having counseling automatically. When you say, I'm going to see a therapist, people go, what's wrong with you? You've mental. Whereas actually it's just having someone that's outside of your bubble that can look at your issues or your feelings and your emotions from a a non-emotional standpoint because they're not involved in it and it helps you process information and helps you i guess look at things from a, a brighter point of view which isn't always easy to do when it's your own worries or your own sadness or your own struggles and it it like it's like James was saying this weekend on this weekend on the podcast when you have someone has a bad shoulder and they're in a lot of pain it's the same feeling for that individual as someone who's lost their arm it's pain is the same for everyone and your version of what feels like the darkest day in the world I'll have the same version but in terms of the severity of what we're actually feeling is the darkest thing in the world could be very different but it doesn't change the way that that needs to be spoken about, approached and dealt with in, you know, sincerely. Yeah, I think like, thank you for being so honest, by the way. Um, Again, um, I'm delighted you brought up the whole thing about kind of counseling. And I'm a huge promoter of it for like not to push people into it. Like everyone has to be ready to do it. it like that's the biggest thing that I learned from it. I, when I was at the, the depths of it, I was trying to be i was being pushed into it by some people but the people that knew me the best yeah. were like he'll do it in his own time and i wouldn't have done it i'm like yeah. i went into fourth session therapy um cancer just after my ban like i said when i was going through that period the lady turns to me on the fourth, third session i cried fourth session i was crying she goes right do you want to talk about your childhood i went nah i'm not ready and i and i walked out and you know it was kind of at that point that you know in that process that like when you say you have to be ready to discuss these things to feel vulnerable to talk about them acknowledging when you are ready and when you aren't is very individual as well and that's what i mean like i said that i was posed that same question sonny do you want to talk about your childhood and i was like mm, no nah, i don't actually want to go down that route but at the same time during those four sessions i'd had a much better understanding of my feelings and what i was going through you know yeah so um, yeah that that in itself is to each individual yeah, and i think one of the things that there is i think the stigma is lifting particularly for, for for a lot of people but do you feel there's the stigma is lifting enough for males to talk about their mental health this is getting there it's changed a lot like i said over the last two three months but it'll be never it'll always be never enough too late you know um because you know, it's like I said, suicide's one of the biggest killers there is, but yet things that are spoken about on the news, it's not at the forefront of the news when we talk about things that are killing people, you know? So I think that that needs to, to change. It needs to be spoken about. It's such a serious thing, but the more severity you add to the way that it's discussed, the more uncomfortable people feel about talking about it. So I think it's just having the making those conversations more normal 
to you know have a deeper level of conversation with someone where you go no really how are you feeling or you know has there been anything that you know has made you feel sad this week or you know those sorts of questions that we can all pose to our friends to people close to us that isn't you all right mate what's going on you had a good weekend yeah yes cool sound went for a beer yeah instead of it being that shallow level of conversation we need to make the those deeper levels of conversation more common and this is even resorts back to what we said at the start of this podcast about how the younger generation or our, our generation don't ever connect with each other on deeper levels anymore because we're so like this all the time that that's as far as our connection goes whereas you throw your phone out of the window the next time you're with your mates for an hour, I guarantee the level of conversation won't be, oh, look at this chick's bum on Instagram, or have you seen how much this guy's lifting? It'll be, you know, so how's your family? How you feel about what's going on? You know what I mean? There'll be those conversations that need to happen. So I think we're, we're still partly to blame, like I said, with, with the electronics of the phones as to why that still isn't happening more natural. Yeah, I've heard of people out in meals and stuff like that. The first person to take out their phone has to pay the bill. And that's normally kind of keeps the phones in the pocket on that side of things. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, it's that sort of thing, you know. And I think it takes one person in a friendship group to go, right, this is what the kind of relationship that I demand from you guys now. And we should all demand this of each other. And if you don't like it, we'll kind of thing this is going to be the benefit of everyone i think it's fine you've spoke you and you know, I, go on when you've when you've got a, when you've got a close friend or a good friend you can say that you know what i mean you're a good friend will call you out and be like mate what are you doing i didn't like that what you did there or next time you say you're going to be late then let me know or you know what i mean you demand a certain level of i guess um respect from your friends and i think to demand that we don't have phones for one hour a week when we meet or to have a little bit more time, I guess, to actually converse on a deeper level would be brilliant. Yeah. I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Hopefully that may change with what's kind of happening here. I know in Australia, it doesn't seem as as grim as it is here. Um, Sonny, I cannot thank you enough for being so honest about everything that you've spoken about today. And where can people work with you in your academy? Uh, where can people find out you about your information on the podcast and the, your social media? Yes, if you want to come play, chat with me, learn with me, then always make sure you're on my email list. Um, I write about all sorts of shit on there. So that's probably the best place to go. You'll find my links to everything via the link in my bio, my link tree on at Sunny GB on my Instagram Academy. If you want to come learn how to do Olympic weightlifting, we have people that have never touched a bar that come and join my community and lift weights, which is great, especially if you've never done it before and want to try something different. Um, and yeah, just have a lot of fun. Sonia, I cannot thank you enough for being so honest. Uh, you've been an absolute star. Um, guys, if you've enjoyed the episode, please do tag Sonny and I up on your story and leave a review up on iTunes. It will be amazing. Thank you so much for coming on, Sonny. No problem, brother. Take care.